Welcome to Medical Minefield, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman, the health editor at The Mail on Sunday, and with me today is the health journalist extraordinaire, Eve Simmons, the Mail on Sunday's deputy health editor. Hello. So this week, I want to talk about acne. People often think about spotty teenagers when you talk about this problem, but it's not just that. I should probably start by saying skin conditions aren't something to make light of, especially when they affect the face. It's something that can affect people's entire life. Uh, You know, our face is the thing that we present to the world. And so when there's something going wrong with it, it massively affects us psychologically. And that's why, you know, hopefully doctors treat these conditions quite seriously. And uh, to go back to the point about teenagers, around a quarter of people who are affected by acne are adults. And we have letters. Every other week we'll get a letter from someone in their 70s who says that they've been blighted by acne their entire lives and have been fobbed off or told that there was nothing that they could do and they just have to live feeling like they are, I guess, ugly. That's terrible. And I think there's a stigma attached to asking for help as well because you feel almost like you're, I know a lot of patients who write into us say that they feel that they're being vain um, or, you know, navel gazing or thinking about themselves too much. And it can be a serious problem and there are some serious treatments. And and the one that I want to talk about this week is Roaccutane. Roaccutane. I've always liked the sound of the word Roaccutane. Something very pleasing about it. But how? So how does it explain how it works? Yes. So um, it's a highly concentrated vitamin A uh, retinoid, basically, which works to limit the production of oil under the skin by uh, working on the glands that produce the oil, as well as shedding the outer scales of the skin. And, and these two things work together to just completely obliterate acne. I've seen it work firsthand. And friends of mine have taken it and it's been absolutely life-changing. You know, they would tell you that this was a, almost a miracle treatment. They'd been blighted by acne for years and felt dreadful. They'd started taking this drug and it had gone. But there are serious concerns about the medicine, which I should note as well, it's, it's a medicine of last resort when you've tried everything else. But there's worries about side effects? Yes, so actually since the drug was licensed, I think back in the the late 80s, there have been reports of suicides that have been linked to the drug. And this is usually patients or the parents of patients reporting these suicides um, or very, very serious mental health issues. And more recently, I think in the past two years, there was a new series of suicides. And so the MHRA, um, the government's medicines regulatory agency, have now launched a new review into the mm. drug and the safety of the drug. I mean, I believe it was a doubling of reports. There were 10 suicides in... 19, Two years or something. 19, 2018. Yeah, I mean, there does seem to be an increase. And we know also there's been an increase in prescriptions. I think prescriptions over the past decade have increased something like 100%, which we're not really sure why either. So it does appear that there is something going on. But interestingly, when scientists have looked at the evidence, so um, pooling studies where they have looked at the long-term effects by following many, many, many patients, they haven't seen any direct link between mental health problems and Roaccutane. So nobody is quite sure what's going on. But equally, there are these case studies and these accounts which need to be taken very, very seriously. Mm. Well, I think, first of all, we should hear from someone who's been directly affected. Yeah, on the line now, I have Jonathan Medland. Jonathan's son, John, was just 22 when he died in 2004 after taking Roaccutane for just three weeks. 
Jonathan, can you start by telling me a bit about how your son was before he started taking Roaccutane? Certainly. John was, well, the best son anybody could ever wish for. Even as a little lad, he knew what he wanted to be. He wanted to be a surgeon or a doctor or something along the medical lines. And he worked hard even from primary school, secondary school, college, university to that end. And he loved his studies, but he was... uh, he wasn't a geek. He worked hard and he played hard. He was one of the lads as well. He loved football. He loved Man United. He loved girls for certain. And um, he had a great life. And um, he, he loved to study and he did well. He got all the grades he needed to get to the uni of his choice, which was Manchester Uni. He chose Manchester because they had the hands-on way of teaching, like Harvard, uh, much more practical and less classroom. He was in his fifth year as a medical student, the last year, and he had just flown through it and he'd done three interviews, as they all have to do, as they near the end of their fifth year. And he got offered all three jobs. He was just that good. And, but uh, he wasn't just good. He was, he was so compassionate and funny and intelligent and caring and everybody loved him. And was it around about this time that he started developing acne? Yeah, I guess. And they were only minor problems. You know, I think everything else in his life was perfect. He had a bit of a girlfriend and everything was going swimmingly, but he had a few spots on his back. And it irritated, it not irritated him in that way, but it annoyed him because he was using topical creams to try and get rid of them and it was staining the tiles and he just wanted that last thing in his life to be perfect which was to get rid of his minor acne so he made the terrible mistake of listening to fellow medics that he was training with in his last placement and they one of them had been on it one or two of them and they said they'd had good results so he sadly went and asked for Roaccutane. Um, he should never have been given it because he only had mild acne. Um, it certainly was not severe and not pustular, which is the two guidelines when it should be possibly considered to be prescribed. And it's meant to be a drug of last resort. And he was given it after only trying one other antibiotic. He was only on a half dose, supposedly for safety reasons and in inverted commas to make sure he could tolerate it but he was away in Manchester when he came home for Christmas he, he'd only just started it then and he seemed not quite his normal exuberant self but certainly nothing to indicate what was about to happen and he said oh yeah me mate said they, they got a bit down on it, but um, I'll be fine. I'll be fine, he said. And um, when he was away on his last placement, he said he couldn't concentrate on his studies. He was embarrassed. Things were going wrong. He couldn't remember the simplest things that he normally could remember. And I said, it's a drug, John. You must stop it immediately. And he did. That was on the Thursday after being on it for three weeks only. And sadly the side effects continued and worsened after he'd stopped taking it 
because at that stage he hadn't had any suicidal thoughts that I know of or anything horrendous like that. And anyway, he stopped him on the Thursday and he took his own life on the following Monday. And John is the last person in the world who would have done such a thing. He loved life so much. He had never had a moment's lowness or depression in his life. He was clearly, he had a psychotic episode as a result of taking the medication. And sadly, I didn't realize how devastating psychosis can be. I didn't really know what it meant. Sadly, now when it's too late, I know what it means. It means if you're psychotic, you're detached from reality. So you have no awareness of your actions or the consequences of those actions. And that is the only possible explanation for what happened because John, like I say, is the last person in the world who would have done that. He knew he was loved by us and everyone. And it was just unthinkable. So he clearly did not know what he was doing when he took his own life. Jonathan, I mean, that's such a devastating story and I'm so sorry for what's happened to you and your family. Um, and as I understand, you're, you're not the only one, are you? You've Over the years, you've, you've heard from other families who have been through similar. Many, many families have gone through similar. Yes, they've lost their sons and daughters to suicide. And we've got together as a group trying to raise awareness and save lives by trying to stop other people from taking it. We've been up into my MP, who was incredibly supportive, Nick Harvey at the time. Uh, we went to Parliament twice and tried to get the drug taken off the market, but I just didn't realise what we were up against. In my naivety, I thought it would happen. Because of what had happened, the drug would be banned. And, and you and others, Jonathan, you're, you're absolutely certain that it was the drug that caused this sudden descent into mental illness? Absolutely certain. There is no possible other explanation. You know, we knew our son and there was nothing in his life other than a few spots on his back that wasn't perfect. Everything was going the way he planned. He had a massive circle of friends and great social life and no, it's just... When you heard about the review that the MHRA are undertaking, looking into Rakutane and, and these suicides, what did you think about that? Well, I was pleased that they're having a review, of course. They've only agreed to have the review because of the pressure from the likes of myself and many hundreds of others who have lost their loved ones and beseeching them and begging them to, to do something about the drug. Obviously, we all want it taken off the market with immediate effect, but I suspect that's not going to happen. I suspect nowhere near nothing like that is going to happen. If they would not prescribe it to the under-18s would be a start, but that is simply giving a possible death sentence to the over-18s, even if they did that. So anyone who takes Roaccutane is playing Russian roulette with their life, really. You, you say that it shouldn't be prescribed, it should be banned to under-18s, at least. 
But what would you say, preferably preferably everyone, well then what would you say to acne sufferers who really struggle with their mental health as a result of their poor skin? What would you say to those sufferers who say that actually Roaccutane is protecting their mental health in that way? I sympathise deeply with anyone who's got severe acne. It does, I'm sure, make them feel pretty miserable. But there are laser treatment, a blue light treatment has had good effect, good results. There's dietary approach where you very careful what you eat and work out what things make the acne worse. And also, I'm not trying to make little of the problem, but people understand usually acne is a transient thing anyway. It doesn't last a lifetime. It's Yes, it's an accrued stage of their life where they want to be looking at their best. They're usually teenagers, but it doesn't last forever. If, if you did nothing, it would go eventually. Well, Jonathan, listen, thank you so much for sparing some time to talk to us so openly about your story and your son. And um, yeah, thank you again and take care of yourself. Well, that really hammers home the seriousness of this issue, I think. Absolutely devastating. Young man in the prime of his life, perfectly happy. And his father had no doubt that the drug was what caused it. And I mean, it sounds like it from what he says. Yes. And I've been looking at some of these parent reports in the last couple of days and they all say the same thing, that they're absolutely certain that there's a direct link because their kids were completely healthy with no history of mental illness. Mm. So it does seem that there's something going on. Well, next, I think we should speak to a doctor who actually prescribes this drug at the present time. Dr Emma Wedgworth is a consultant dermatologist and spokesperson for the British Skin Foundation. Dr Wedgworth, there's been countless stories over the years of parents whose children have killed themselves because of Roaccutane, they say, yet it's still being prescribed. What's going on here? So you're absolutely right. There has been this ongoing controversy um, with isotretinoin or Roaccutane about the link with mental health and the link with um, suicides. Um, But I would hasten to add that it's not that we've ignored this for many years. There have been a number of well-designed large studies which have really tried to look very, very systematically at the risk of depression, at the risk of suicide with um, isotretinoin. And A lot of those studies have not suggested that there is a causal link, and by that I mean that that isotretinoin causes these problems. Um, And that's the reason why we have continued to date to prescribe um, the isotretinoin. So, you know, absolutely right, we're very, very aware of this potential um, association, but we have, the medical community has done a lot to look into this. The parents of... Uh, patients who have developed these problems um, and some of the patients themselves are adamant there is a link. You must realise how this sounds to them. So there is no doubt that, um, you know, as a dermatologist, I am hugely concerned about the potential side effects of any treatment that I prescribe. And of course, Roaccutane being one of the most controversial. And, you know, as a, as a doctor, we're all about, you know, above all, do no harm. So I take all of these sort of concerns extremely, extremely seriously. The difficulty we have as doctors is that we try and go by the evidence. So nowadays we tend to do evidence-based medicine. And every so often there are cases that come up that you know people have reactions that we're not entirely um, sort of programmed to see. And we're very, very careful about that. But 
I guess the difficulty is about totally stopping prescribing raraquine for everybody in relation to these sorts of changes when a lot of the large studies have not suggested that on a population level, on a, on a large-scale basis, that there is a link. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have a huge amount of sympathy and I take the prescribing of raraquine incredibly seriously. So what is causing the psychiatric effect if it's not the drug? Yeah, so it's a really, really good question. And the first thing to say is that as a dermatologist, I see people who are impacted psychologically by their skin changes very, very significantly. So people who have active skin changes will often have mood changes associated with that. So we know that there is definitely a link between acne per se and mental health problems because actually skin disease has this whole added dimension. It's visible. It really impacts on people's self-confidence, on their image on all of those sorts of changes. And we do see quite high rates of psychiatric and psychological disorders within patients with any skin disease, and in particular, acne. So it could be that people who need Roaccutane have a higher rate of mental health conditions because they have more severe skin changes. But that's not what we're hearing from from the patients and parents themselves. We're hearing stories of people who have had no problems, who have had everything going for them and have developed mental health problems rapidly after taking the drug, which you would expect to see with a side effect, a rapid effect. And you're saying that it's not, not the case. They had the problems already? I mean, that's going to go down like a ton of bricks, really. Well, I, I think, Bonnie, we have to look at all the different potential theories as to why it might happen. And like I said, this has been discussed in the medical literature for many, many years with studies on a population level with thousands of patients looking at the difference between people taking raracutane and people taking, for example, antibiotics um, for acne. And most of those studies have suggested that actually there isn't a major difference between those groups. But obviously, there will be individual cases where things react differently to the rest of the group. There will be outliers. So I'm in no way trying to um, in any way negate anyone's experience. I have a huge amount of sympathy for these patients. But it's just that as a doctor, what we tend to look at is large groups of patients rather than each individual. Because over time, we found that that has probably been more effective if that makes sense so you're saying outliers it could be that when we look at this in detail that it is a rare side effect so nobody 100 percent knows so from my perspective the way i look at it i've been a dermatologist now for about 15 years and i have a lot of experience in prescribing raccutane for various different conditions and the way i look at it is that there is a theoretical risk that it could change it we know that this drug can pass the blood brain barrier And we have to be very, very mindful of this. It is a very rare side effect. So if you look at the millions of people over the world who've been prescribed Roaccutane, these tragic and, of course, cases that have to be taken incredibly seriously are still very small. So it may be that in a very small proportion of people, this can be triggered, but we still don't have evidence around that. From my perspective, as a dermatologist who does prescribe this treatment, because in many people it can be life-changing, we just have to be incredibly careful counsel people carefully and monitor them very closely whilst they're going through treatment. So you wouldn't support a ban should it be more recognised that there is a true link between uh, the psychiatric problems and the drug? You still wouldn't say it should be banned? In terms of what I would say at the moment is with the evidence that we have in the literature at the moment with large cohort studies, I don't think as yet there is evidence to support the ban. I'm very, very much in favour of ongoing 
assessment of this. And we know that in lots of other ways that medical literature will change over time. New evidence can arise and we absolutely have to respond to that. As far as we stand at the moment, the medical literature is not suggesting that there is a causal link. And in, it would be a shame if Reactone was totally removed for the many millions of people that it has helped. However, I'm absolutely in favor of ongoing appraisal of the evidence so that we can do the right thing for our patients, which is ultimately what we're here to do. Dr. Wedgworth, thanks so much for talking to us. You know, it's uh, going to be very interesting to see how the review pans out. Hi. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones' Diary, The Podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Well, that's fascinating, Eve. You know, on one hand, we've got an incredibly compelling account of what would seem like a suicide caused by a drug. And on the other hand, a doctor saying that huge medical studies have found no link. It's baffling. Yeah, so apparently, um, according to the British Association of Dermatologists, they issue a leaflet which says that there is a risk of suicide with Roaccutane, but it's it's estimated at 1 in 10,000. So they are recognising that there is this risk. However, they're saying it's very, very rare, and it seems as though experts don't want to talk about the, the potential causal mechanism because maybe that's not been explored yet, so I don't know how it works. Well, they obviously know people who've taken the drug have had these effects. They can't find a reason why. And when you look, what she was saying is when you look at studies where you compare people on other treatments, Mm. I think that you see similar numbers of these kinds of problems in people on other drugs that definitely don't cause them. And she's also presuming that a lot of these cases have occurred because these patients are vulnerable to developing mental health problems anyway. So perhaps there was a pre-existing mental health problem or they were vulnerable because of their skin. Well, I know that's having written about this over the years. I know that's always the line. But, you know, I mean, hearing, you know, that man speaking about his son, that's not what the story was. I mean, I'd love to hear her say that to him. You know, it's just... You wouldn't be able to, would you? Interestingly, there's a review now going on into another drug called Champix, which is the medication that's used to treat nicotine addiction. And that, again, has been linked to these severe psychiatric problems. No one can explain why. And I've heard very compelling patient stories about people who have had no problems and then have started taking Champix to try and quit smoking and descended into terrible, terrible psychiatric illness. Um, Interesting, but then I would suspect, and this is just literally me kind of pulling something out of thin air, but I would would suspect that this is also a patient group perhaps vulnerable to mental health problems because we know that there is a link between people who smoke and who have mental health problems. It's a sort of self-soothing exercise. So Mm. perhaps that's related. And then when, when they stop smoking cigarettes and move on to something else, maybe there's a link there. I don't know. Or what are they saying, that it's just a coincidence that you took this drug and then some people spiral into PTSD and depression? And Yeah, it's sort of quite patronising as well, isn't it? Because it's telling somebody about their symptoms. It's telling them, oh, well, you actually had that mental health problem for 10 years. You just didn't know about it. And, and it's I just think that's quite, you can't really tell somebody. I, I mentioned in the intro that 
I know people who've taken the drug. I also know people who've been scared to take Roaccutane because they've heard about these terrible side effects. And so they've been suffering with really awful acne that they don't know what to do about, but don't want to take a drug that probably would clear it up because they've heard that it's bad for you. And it's also worth noting that the risk of mental health problems and suicide in patients with severe acne is not something to be discounted. I was reading about a study in the late 90s where two dermatologists looked retrospectively at their patient cohorts throughout their careers of 20 years or whatever. And between them, they saw that there were 16 of their patients who had died by suicide within that time. And only two of those patients had been on Roaccutane, one of which was said to have had a poor response. So it was seen that actually it didn't really make much difference to them. So it was unlikely that that had anything to do with their effect. But 16 died by suicide and seven of those were specifically suffering from acne. So that's not a small sort of vanishing number, you know, still Mm. significant. Um, And and acne, as you said in the beginning, you know, can be life destroying for people. Yeah. Well, it's what I always say to people that, you know, they shouldn't feel it's just spots. It's not just spots. It's a it's a serious skin condition. And mm. I'm glad that the regulators are taking this seriously now. And hopefully for these families who've been through terrible, terrible tragedies, there'll be some kind of resolution. Unfortunately, that is all we've got time for this week. You'll find all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and visit mailplus.co.uk to listen to all our podcasts free and in full. You can also follow us on Twitter by searching at MailPlus. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. 